Blood Brothers Podcast, a Five Pillars production. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, my dear brothers, sisters, friends, and yes, the foes out there. Welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your host, Didi Hussain. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind all the avid podcast listeners that you can find this show on all the major audio platforms. And if you're tuning in and watching via YouTube, don't be cheeky. Click subscribe. Today's guest is someone who I watched on TV uh, in 2017 as a former avid Apprentice fan. She's a TV personality. She appeared in season 19, I think, uh, in 2017 of The Apprentice Show. A successful entrepreneur, a political commentator, and that's none other than Bushra Sheikh. Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Salaam, Dili. Bushra, thank you for coming on. Uh, no, welcome, welcome. I was just sort of um, watching you while you were doing that introduction. It's it's always uh, it's always interesting when people have all these sort of taglines. You and me, I have to kind of remember where I'm at right now. Well, all those taglines okay? Yeah, yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, yeah. no complaints whatsoever. <laughs> when we were off camera, just before we started filming, you said The Apprentice seemed so long time ago. Mm. Is that really the case? It is. It is. I mean, it was, uh, I think you said season 19. It was season actually 19. season 13. Sorry, season 13. Season 2017. Th- 2017. Yeah. And it just goes to show for me anyway, how quickly time passes. Um, and when people discuss The Apprentice with me now, I really have to take my thoughts all the way back and remember what that entire experience was like. And and and, and a second question I always get is, you know, did you, did you really meet Lord Sugar? And um, did it kind of elevate your platform? And those are like <laughs> regular questions that I do find myself having, you know, especially with the Muslim youth as well. You know, today's podcast uh, with guests, I kind of follow a kind of a chronology of like where things began and where you've arrived to now. But mm. with you, I'm going to move from now to back. Okay, so okay, fine. So would it the other way around? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so let me just kick off with um, your most current tweet right now. Okay. On Twitter right now. Go, go for it. Your current tweet right now, because I'm telling you, you have one of the most active Twitter accounts ever. You got beef with so many people. I mean, that's not that's the aim. No, mean, of course, it's not the of aim. Of course, the aim isn't to have beef with people. Okay. It's no, about putting. Um, it's putting. Uh, but it leads to a lot of beef. You know what it is? It's getting people to think. Hundred percent. So, okay, your pin tweet at the moment is the moment mm-hmm. you shocked GB News with being an Andrew Tate supporter. <laughs> Uh, they were not expecting that. So let's so let's let's start there okay. and move backwards. Fine. Um, are you an Andrew Tate supporter? Currently, um, I would say that I am. Okay. And what is it of his views and stances and positions is it that you support? Okay, this is interesting. Why support is I support giving people the opportunity to um, have their say, and I believe Andrew um, Andrew Tate being a controversial figure aside the fact that he's recently converted to Islam, which is a whole different discussion, is that people need to be innocent. You know, if we prove him guilty, I feel like there is an agenda bias that exists out there. And I like to support individuals who are not being treated fairly. And I feel like at this time, that's what's happening with him. Um, Beyond that and his views and what he thinks, I sit in the middle of those so I'm not saying that I totally agree with the things that he says, because I don't. I believe that he has a responsibility um, to take you know, on board the things that he has put out there that perhaps are controversial mm-hmm. and do not like align, you know, with, let's say, communities and people. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of I'm sort of this pendulum right now. But what I am about is I'm about justice. Mm-hmm. And I think people should have the, the fair time, and the fair say to to do. And I just feel like at the moment they are not being treated correctly. So in that pin tweet, I think that was the first time where you publicly on a show 
voiced your position, right? Mm. Mm. And ever since then, uh, some of the labels that have been thrown at you say, you know, you've been a, a, a Tatist, mm. uh, a cheerleader, a fango and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so you're saying you're still kind of a pendulum, kind of in the middle in terms of not necessarily agreeing with all his positions. Correct. But there are some that don't sit well and there's some that you agree with. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's talk about the ones you agree with. Okay, so I definitely agree with the fact that there is a rise of um, this disparity between the roles of men and women. So tra um, traditional gender roles or, 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 what's, or what's understood as traditional gender roles. Exactly, what's understood as traditional gender roles. And, yeah. you know, we have to understand that there is a fundamental uh, reason behind why these roles are kind of, you know, we adopt these roles to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and going back to my values and, you know, um, my, my core beliefs always originate from Islam. And when he speaks to young men, to tell them that they have a role and speaks to young women to say that you have a role. These things are only positive mm -hmm. because moving forward in a liberalist, secular way, we are seeing incredible challenges that the family unit is facing as a whole. So what Andrew Tate talks about, Tristan Tate talks about, and I'd say at least another 20 individuals, they just have, to, they just happen to have the platform now is we need to support and champion mm -hmm. traditional roles again. And this is coming from someone who is a mother, mm. uh, a successful business person, a public figure. Yeah. Um, what would your uh, response be to some of the trolls? And you have so many, by the way. You have like Too a troll. You have like a troll army, and they're like Hindu trolls, Islamophobe trolls, far right trolls, Zionist trolls, Tilly, I, and I, I anti tate trolls. <laughs> I cannot tell you the amount of hate let's say that that i receive from all these different angles people say to me bushra how do you put up with it and i go i've just grown thick skin okay honestly for me it's just about trying to put the truth out there you know that's it and then i i, I just don't think about that side so one of the critiques against yourself if it was worded articulated in in, in a respectful way could be well hold on bushra you know you know fine you you champion traditional gender roles traditional gender roles kind of necessitates that the woman's primarily mm. or, or primary uh, area of, of, of attention and mm. focus and dedication and mm. commitment be the home. Absolutely. The family. Yes. Uh, being a mother. Mm. Nurturing a husband if he's there mm. to support him mm. um, in, in those fields so he excels and so forth. Um, would you say you are a good advocate of that? Absolutely. I think cultivation in any form is something that we need to champion all of the time. I believe when we talk about women, women have, let's just say, a spectrum of time within our life. If we look at being mothers and having children, there is no person on this planet better than a mother to raise her kids. So, you know, you, you unfortunately, we are going to contend with the argument to say, well, men don't have to put their careers on hold. Okay men also don't have the same relationship with their children that women get to have, mm -hmm. you know, and those are like biological dispositions. So for me, I do not tell women, at, you know, in, in absolute terms that they shouldn't like pursue a career. I believe you need to understand that there are priorities within your age range and your timeline of your life to put the things that are the most important ahead of yourself. Do you think there's anything fundamentally wrong? Uh, I'm talking the Muslim context here. Mm. Um, but I guess it transpires to other communities. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm very much, very sure it does. Is there anything wrong with uh, a Muslim woman, a Muslim sister, seeking a spouse, speaking mm. a seeking a brother for marriage, and 
I, I know you said there's no women. There's nothing wrong with being a gold digger. Yeah, right? I did say that. Yeah, but is there anything inherently wrong with her wanting someone who is financially secure, mm. along with the fact that he is uh, physically attractive to her, um, comes from a good family, good lineage, yada yada yada, but financially secure. Yeah, is that something that you encourage? Uh, is allowed? It should and should be encouraged. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I'm going to agree. Look, we use terms like gold digger. Mm. Because the idea of the kind of gold digger was to say that women only go for men that have money. But going for a man who is secure and stable and has a regular job and a regular income, you could deem that gold digging? I don't know. It's about stability. Ultimately, if women want to be looked after, they want to make sure that, that the men that they're looking for are stable. And what stability shows is a man that is consistent, is devoted, and he knows what his role is in that home. You know, so, you know, these it's, it's, it's easy to have these conversations in like a very isolated way. Mm -hmm. But the idea of a gold digger, if a woman is looking for a man who has money, it's not about he needs to have a lot of money. He needs to show that he's consistent and he knows how to look after her. At the same time, she should have a little side hustle of her own. Of course she can. Why not? You know what? We live in a time where we have so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like my grandmother, right? My grandmother supported my grandfather, Allah Jalla Nasib Kare, right? Because I mean. they're not here with us. Um, and she was an incredible woman. Um, to support my grandfather, she used to sew. She had a machine at home and she used to sew. You know the, the high-vis high visors? Yes, yes. She used to sit there and do hundreds of them, hundreds of them. And you could say that that was her side hustle. That's what she did. Mm -hmm. But that was in her home. It was an opportunity. But now for us, like women like me, we have so many things that we can do at the same time as making sure that our children are within our eyesight. We've got full control over them. Mm -hmm. So it's not to say that women are not. We are capable of so much. Do you think there's any sharam or shame in a woman uh, actively wanting to be entirely reliant on her husband? No. So, so she can just focus on the home. You know, gets looked after, mm. whether it's in the form of an allowance or all her provisions more than adequately met, mm. inshallah, consistently. Yeah. Is there any shame in that? Because, because it appears to be in this modern day and age. There shouldn't be any shame in that because she is allowed to choose and want and have the life that she wants. And if that's what makes her happy and that is conducive to their home and the cultivation and it works, they're not harming anybody. Why should, be the, why should we judge that idea? Look, at the end of the day, think about the number of people that exist on this planet or the number of women. There are billions of women. Some are old, younger, you know, all, all age ranges. And we all have a limit in what we can personally achieve. So if you look at individuals on a spectrum again, many, many women are very happy and comfortable in their homes and that's where they excel. And they don't want any anything after that. Why should we force them to want more for themselves? We say that's something innate within the way Allah has created us. Definitely, definitely. Again, it's a biological, it's a biological disposition. We are the um, caregivers. We give love. We give peace, harmony. We build that unit. In Islam, like women are the cultivators of a community. Mm -hmm. Men went out and they foraged and they came back and they bought the provisions for their family. Women were the educators. You know, we're, we're, we're losing the sight of what contribution mm -hmm. women, when we're in our own, provide to communities on, on a mass scale. 100%. Um, just touching on that, and but, but staying on the theme of traditional gender roles, how, how much of a problem are, is the issue of salaries and careers between modern mm. Muslim Western couples? Yeah. Right? 
Um, let's take London for an example, okay. right? Where there is nearly always a necessity f- for for both p- couples or both partners to be earning, mm. simply because the cost of living is ridiculous, yeah. right? And if you don't happen to have the luxury of living with parents or in-laws whilst you save your money and plan to do whatever you want to do, which again may not be ideal for you, um, how much of an issue do you think competitive salaries are between spouses? Do you think it could be an issue? It's always an issue. Like if, the, let's say, for example, if, if the wife is earning more than the husband. <laughs> it's always going to be an issue. And yeah. this is, a, again, another touchy subject. Look, we, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I talk about that, right, with all due respect, like men have an, a natural ego. Men want to be the leaders of their home. And you're, that a means success, you're a successful entrepreneur. You've owned The Apprentice, yes. right? You had a, um, a modest degree of fashion. What was it called? Isla. Isla. Yeah. Still around? It's still around. Right. Online. Yeah. Right. And uh, let's assume, alhamdulillah, Allah looked after you mm. comfortably through that business. Um, uh, just Again, just, just stop me if, if you think that I am I'm, uh, asking off too much of you. Okay. Was that ever an issue? In your experience, in your life? What, to do the business or to, to, or to earn money? Which, which both. Part? Because you earn money through the business. Yes. It's a successful business, you earn a lot of money. Yeah. Did that ever cause any issues or do you think it'll cause any issues with any future plans? Okay, so the, uh, the, the, way, the way that I would answer that is um, ultimately the ideal situation is that the man brings the most money home mm-hmm. for his ego for the respect element, for the physical connection, for the emotional connection. Women tend to want men that are, I'm not gonna use above, but I am gonna use it in this instance, who are stronger. You know, women are more feminine, you know, we're in, in our element, we want men who are, exactly. You, you, know want, you want someone, so we want someone who's protective, Bigger, right? stronger, richer, more smart, Correct. more smart, all this kind of thing. Because it gives you the sense of security and stability and Absolutely. safe and feeling safe. Absolutely, and if a woman is, the one paying her bills. If the if it's a woman's income that is supporting the household, mm-hmm. subconsciously women will re- lose respect for those men. We may not say it, but we're thinking it, because what we're thinking is, if I can do this, why isn't he doing this? So then my response to that would be, if you happen to be one of the women who earns more than her spouse to begin with, then use your money to help him grow. That's the way around that, Mm -hmm. you know, because obviously in the ideal world, we want the man to be earning more. But if you happen to have the income and he has less than you, in order for you to go into the right direction, you need to help him kind of even out the path to make sure that your wealth is helping him grow. Why do you think there is or there has been for the last 20 years, I'd say, but definitely the last five to eight years, a, a very aggressive push for um, the normalization of LGBTQ lifestyles, mm. uh, but also men, I don't want to say this categorically, but, but there seems to be a clear agenda to masculate men, mm. um, and specifically Muslim men, but, but the general emasculation of men, this, this thing that apparently for men to be vulnerable now is seen as attractive and desirable, for them to be talking about their problems or what keeps them awake at night and complaining about and, and these kind of things. Yeah. Apparently, this is now desirable, apparently, these days. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you observe the same or have I, have, have I misobserved something? Okay, so you're right. Look, we've got this, 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 this two separate things happening. So let's talk about the emasculation, right? then we get yes. to LGBT. Yes. Let's get, let's, let's so we've got one side, which is the which is a demasculation or emasculation. Mm-hmm of men that's happening, right? And that has begun because women 
were complaining about men not being emotionally intelligent. Okay. okay. Now, my position on that is there is a level of emotional intelligence that men should possess. Mm -hmm. But women don't need men for that kind of emotional stability. We have our girls. If you want that type of emotion, just go to your girls. That's where the community was built. We need to leave men to do the masculine jobs. Yes, you know, alhamdulillah, it's important for men to possess different uh, different attributes because that makes him an all-rounder. Self-awareness, introspection, understanding a woman, understanding his wife, what her needs are. I get all of those. But there is this influx and this push of emotional intelligence that men need to have. And what that's doing is that's making men be unnatural, not be within themselves, which is, I don't need to have this emotion. Women have emotion because we need it to be mothers. And, and an example I'm going to give you is if you have um, a mum and a dad who are sleeping at night with a newborn baby, mm -hmm. right? Men will sleep through that. Women don't. Because you know our emotional intuition that is connected to our newborn, the minute we hear a tiny little coo, we are up. We know it's time to feed. So that's the... That's the blessing that Allah has given women, which is the intuition that women have of emotion. Men don't naturally have that, mm -hmm. you know. So that's one side. That's the that's the the men it, making men making them feel like they they need to be more like women. You know? But but why? What what? what so I guess what I'm asking is why is that happening? It's 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 happening because it makes men weaker. If you don't have men who are all rounders, who are weak men that don't understand what their roles are, those individuals are easier to control. So, so who gains from that? Would you? Okay, okay, okay. Now, this is this is this is obviously a wider discussion. Okay. I tell you who gains from that. Who gains from that is the dogma, is everybody that is trying to make society degenerate. A degenerate society is an easiest society con to control, to instill fear. And it's all about it's all about finances. It's all about economy. It's all about power. This isn't anything to do with us. We're used as pawns mm. for a, a huge, a much bigger purpose that, that they have. Mm. So if we are not strong in our homes, in our communities, in our family, we are easier and more susceptible to everything that they tell us to do and to be. So what would your advice then be to... Muslim sisters, as well as women, uh, as well, generally, uh, in perhaps reviewing and reflecting upon uh, desirable attributes like excessive, excessive, I'm saying excessive emotional intelligence, yeah. um, excessive um, outward shows of vulnerability and stuff yeah. like this. Is this something that they should reflect and perhaps review in terms of how much that should be a desirable thing as opposed to more traditional desirable attributes, which is he has a stable job? Yes. You know, he's headstrong. The guy, he, he, he's a captain of the ship. He knows what he's doing. It might not be a, a glamorous and colourful plan, but he's got a plan. Mm. And this plan essentially is grounded on security and stability. Um, are these things for sisters in this day and age to reflect and review upon? On, on, on the issue of wanting emotional intelligence, too much of it, wanting uh, yeah. a show of vulnerability from their, from a prospective husband. So the, the, the first thing I'm going to say is to young Muslim women or young women in general, is that don't follow hashtags. Don't look on social media 24-7 and get your guidance and your wisdom from there. Mm -hmm. Those platforms are not built for that. Go to the people that you love, that you care about. You know, this is obviously, we can ho hopefully talk on the issue of having like role models. Absolutely. Right, because this, this is where that comes from. Yeah. 
and the rise of social media, unfortunately, has a very dark side to it. And couple goes gold hashtag and all this stuff is detrimental to society. <clears throat> Young girls sit down, really think about the content that you are absorbing online. It's not healthy and you do need to have a level of self-awareness and introspection and use the older people that are around you that have that wisdom to give you that guidance. Do not take it from online because believe me, that's where all of this, let's just call it the pandemic of emotional intelligence that is a requirement for men is coming from. It's a delusion. It's a romanticized idea. It's almost like what movies did to people. Mm -hmm. Films are not real. Our lives are not based on the love stories that exist in movies. That's not how life is. Mm -hmm. So let me then ask you this, right? If it's the case that um, there does seem to be a systematic push uh, or an agenda or a plan to emasculate men so other powerful entities can, to, can benefit from it politically or financially mm -hmm. or otherwise, um, why is it then that the resistance and the pushback uh, against those who do advocate for more traditional gender roles has been quite, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been very, very poisonous, actually, yeah, uh, in terms of the censorship attempts. It's poisonous because that's the answer. That's the truth. It's poisonous and we're getting this pushback because ultimately the traditional values that we are trying to uphold are the values that actually build the right types of community. That's why we're going to get pushback. We have to understand the majority of people do not want you to be successful. They don't want you to achieve. They don't want you to burst out of these bubbles and these tunnel visions of, you know, let's just say the the the, the system that they have built for us. Mm -hmm. They don't want us to be successful in that way. That's why you're going to get that. And that's why the, to, the traditional values have always worked. Mm -hmm. You know, why are we all of a sudden going to try and fix something that isn't broken? This is what they are trying to do. Honestly, it breaks my heart when I know the number of like, like amazing young men there are and amazing young women. And there is a huge like disparity in the discussions and the conversations that they're having. Because look, on one hand, if men are constantly being told that they're not feminine enough, that you, you don't have this emotional intelligence, the way that you are built is not right. What's going to happen? All of a sudden we're gonna get two extremes and that's what we're facing. We're facing the extreme of men rising up and saying, I am going to be this alpha masculine man. But the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us about balance. You know, he taught, about, he taught us about the ground in the middle. And that also applies to human beings. You know, he was, he was, the, he is the, he still is the perfect example Absolutely, for yeah. us, right? And Islam generally is known as Ummat al-Wasat. It is the middle path. The middle path. Uh, there you go. It's not, it's not of extremes. It's and neither left nor right. It's left nor right. It's, it's central, right. it's center. And that's yeah. why we always have to go back to our center all of the time and what that value is. Mm. And this is what we're going to find. The minute that you get a level of extremity from one side, you are going to get the uprising from the other. And then that middle ground is the tricky ground. And that's the ground that we are obviously discussing now. How much has your own personal views developed uh, over the years? Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about when you started uh, Punditry on TV. When was that? Um, so I started doing um, commentary gigs and stuff like that maybe a few years ago before COVID. Before COVID. So what was that, like 2019, 2018? Yeah. I, I think one of the most viral ones was when, about the school application. Remember that one? It was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was not... Listen, what you're going to get with me is full throttle honesty. I am not frightened of being cancelled. Yeah. I am not frightened of being challenged. 
For me, it's all about my values. If something goes against my values, I will not do that thing. And if that means that I don't succeed, then mm -hmm. so be it, because I know that Allah has better plans for us. You know, so for me, I'm always trying to champion and say to individuals, never go against your values. You need mm -hmm. to be true to yourself, right? So tell me about the punditry. How did that, how did that get come about? It was uh, it was random. Okay. It's so random because look, when I did the apprentice, yeah. right, and that again, that was that was so random. I, I did that at two o'clock in the morning, and I applied. I I've watched the show for years and never ever anticipated that I would ever apply and do that show. So, you know, Subhanallah, things happen. You don't even know that they they are mm. going to happen. Um, and then one day I get a phone call saying, Bushra, you know what? We'd really love you to come and talk about this topic and I I can't actually remember what my first one was but I think it was with uh ITV on okay. Good Morning Britain. Right, good Morning Britain. Okay. And I said okay this is interesting and they're like well you know you're from the apprentice and you've got opinions and I was like I do but do I want to vocalize them? Mm. I just thought a door is opening Bushra bismillah mm. go and talk. Okay. And it's been pretty much that since yeah. It hasn't stopped. How much TV hours a week are you doing? Um, I'd say on a busy week. I'd say about TV hours. I'd say probably about five, which is quite a lot. Radio as well. I do radio as well. I, I you know, I get I get called on all sorts of all sorts of platforms. Um, and TV wise, it's it's not about being on TV, right? It's about having an idea and a thought, mm -hmm. and not having enough of those voices. And since that's happened, you've been receiving a lot of hate. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the different groups that we've already mentioned. Standard Islamophobes, so your standard kind of you know, <laughs> racist Bob Karen, who has a high level of ignorance about Islam, yeah. Muslims and people of color, uh, absolutely hate you. Yeah. Uh, say all kind of foul things to you, troll you. Um, what would your message be to them, who, 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 as soon as they see you come up on their Twitter thread or Twitter newsfeed, the blood starts boiling, cholesterol levels start going up. Yeah. What, what, what would your words be to those? Uh, I mean, I used to think that I could change those people. Okay. And and you can't. They are beyond help. So now I have a good relationship with my block button. Okay, wicked. And that helps. And how about the uh, the, the the new or more recent Hindutva strand? <laughs> oh, that's a that's a joke. <laughs> There's a part of me that because that one's more. I, I would say when it especially comes from Muslims of South Asia, it's mm. more personal. It is because it's more historical. Yes. Um, yes. And um, you've been getting a lot of that. God, they hate us. Yeah. I could talk about. Um, I could talk about a plant pot. Yeah. I, I, I can talk about uh, leaves and they'll be like, yes, but you are Muslim. And yeah. I'm like, dude, like I haven't even spoken <laughs> about Islam. Like, how are you saying that? So it's like, it's it's the hate is so internalized. It's so, it's so intrinsic. It's in their core and it's, it's scary. It's scary because I have noticed a growing, like a, a rise in numbers of that. And it's, it's very difficult to have the right conversations with the right people when we are still few in numbers. Um, and it's scary because I guess it's still going to build a fear of people who are that are Muslim who are going to say, well, I can't openly be Muslim because there's just so much hate out there. It's even more so scary because there is a standing prime minister for two terms who is of this worldview. Yes. Uh, Narendra Modi, uh, who has been consistently proven to have been uh, a chief instigator and orchestrator behind the Gujarat massacre. Yes. Um, his version of Hinduism is one which is essentially an extermination of Muslims as well as Christians and Dalits and others. Mm. Um, and he's won two elections landslide, mm. which shows that amongst BJP supporters who brought him into power, 
you have everything from Bollywood actors yep. to Indian cricketers to models, celebrities, multi-billionaire um, businessmen and tycoons. All of that spectrum is behind Modi. That's not to say that everyone is a Hindutva uh, thug or an ideologue, mm. but there's definitely a sentiment there that's mm. kept him in power for two terms and possibly another third. Yeah, I think that's really scary. Yeah, and it's of course it's a it's it's a it's a combination of culture. It's a it's a combination of power. So obviously we know you know we've got Pakistan, we have India, and you know we have the cor corresponding countries around it. It's it's like a historical hate. It is, you know, and it's a combination of that, and that's 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 the influx. And of course, you know, you got the the fact that you know we're, we're Muslim and it's Islam, and yep. you know the whole world right now is sort of conspiring against. Muslims and it just happens to fit, which is why they're here. Um, any any beef or hatred from Zionists yet? None that I can see. Yeah. I mean, none. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm not gonna. Have you not have you not shook the, the the thrones and the feathers of the Zionists yet? Is, it, is, it, is that is that next on the list? Have you not said anything yet? Actually, no. I have on my Twitter. I I kind of uh, ruffled some feathers when okay. I took when I spoke about the fact that if you know you having the term anti-Semitic, technically Semitic people. Arabs, Arabs people, so they yeah. kind of existed. They're so, you know, they've yeah. obviously coined that term for themselves and that's what it is. But if you really want to break it down and you want to look at the history of a word like that, um, I, I mentioned something like that on my on my Twitter just as a thought. And then that brought up a lot of, you know, hate. And, it's, and then it's like, we're not allowed to have, we're not allowed to have Islamophobia. We're not allowed to call somebody an Islamophobe. And if we do that, it means, you know, oh, you know, people can't, disagree with islam right? right somebody that disagrees with islam it's not the same as an islamophobe they're very different very different so you've got anti-semitic which exists and they are allowed to have that and they are repercussions and consequences if you fall under that category you mm -hmm. know so you if you advocate for something mm -hmm. like that but for, for for us totally different um kind of still staying within the the area of traditional roles but at the same time critics and haters online mm. another group uh, much smaller significantly smaller but they're there uh, is is the criticisms and the scathing criticisms that you may get from your fellow Muslims yeah right mm. they exist they're there mm. I know there's a few times you've tweeted uh, saying that look you know I'm open to advice but you know don't judge me I've, you know, I've experienced things in my own life I'm paraphrasing here not verbatim because there's been quite a few tweets yeah. and there's been other times where you've acknowledged criticisms and all the things that people have said and there's been other times we've told them to go do one yes right how does that make you feel criticisms from muslims primarily the main criticism is you don't outwardly look like an advocate for islam yeah so why are you talking about islam yes would you agree that's one of the main criticisms of you from muslims i what i do find is i find it really sad i find it upsetting and i find it sad and if i if i speak to you on a level mm -hmm. I understand that it is a responsibility for a Muslim person to guide or help another Muslim person. We have to understand that social media is a public platform. You can direct message if you want. You don't have to go and comment where other people can see what you're saying. I believe that a lot of our community has lost the etiquette of dialogue, the way that we engage and we speak to each other. And it's talking about intra-Muslim dialogue here. Absolutely. Okay. Because look, we cannot push the right conversations and the subjects out there where if within our own community we are fractured to this point i've had comments like yeah but you cannot be an advocate of islam because you no longer wear the hijab okay um so you know and i don't i don't really want to talk much about 
you know, hijab, if that's all right, because again, it's a, it's a wide discussion. But the, the point is that why are we nitpicking amongst ourselves and we are giving other groups ammunitions to use the very same things that we're attacking each other with for them to attack us? We have to be unified. We can have these discussions. They are private discussions. Don't, don't do it on a public platform. For example, I would never go on a mainstream media platform and put my community down. That's what they want from me. Mm -hmm. I know that our community has challenges. We've got so many challenges, but I would never go on a mainstream platform and put us down because this is a private matter for our community. So I, I, I find it really sad when I get, um, when I get pushback from my own, you know, whether it's young Muslim women or, you know, women or, or men. And I'm just like, this is unnecessary. Well, just, just to play kind of devil's advocate here, if I were to say to you, look, they would say, but you're on a public platform mm. and you could be saying things, doing things, showing things mm. which aren't Islamic. But yeah. then on the same breath, you're literally talking about, like Bush was not even talking about social issues pertaining to the community. She's literally talking about fiqh. Yeah. Sometimes she's talking about Islamic rulings yeah. and laws, yeah. which you do sometimes. Yeah, I do. Yeah? Um, because you're doing these things publicly, we're going to criticize you publicly. Yeah. Or because you're because you're advocating, or because you're according to those critics, because you're misrepresenting what uh, a practicing Muslim should look like yeah. when commenting on these issues. Because you don't fit that, and you're doing it publicly. We're going to criticize you publicly. Yeah. And 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 look, I will fully, I, I fully respect that. I fully respect that people are going to have their ways of doing things. Mm. And when you are in the, in the public domain, you are going to receive lots of different commentary, right? Some of it will be stuff that you don't agree with, and you know. But what what I'm trying to say is that right now we have a bigger, we have bigger fish to fry, you know. And we're not just sitting in this bubble of just Muslims attacking each other or speaking to each other. We have a we have a common ground. Let's try to focus on the common ground. And let's fight the bigger fight. Well, Muslims wrong to criticise Hamza Yusuf, First Minister of Scotland, including myself. Remember our, fir our first public minor brotherly sister disagreement was over Hamza Yusuf, do you remember? Yeah, I do, I do. Um, well, Muslims wrong in criticising him for, this, for the policies that he publicly endorsed and said that he will enact. No, I don't think so. I think those policies are bigger policies. Those are policies that affect everybody. You know, and I think he was talking about the LGBTQ. So, so, so let's talk about four, four, four of the policies. So I just want your thoughts. Yeah. Policy number one. Yeah. He wants to criminalize and ban gay conversion therapy. Yeah. So that means someone who identifies as a homosexual, mm. um, they will not be able to allow to take part in or sign up to faith-based therapy that may make them bring them back yeah. into heterosexuality or, yeah. or, or opposite gender relationships or whatever it is. He will ban that. Will okay. criminalize that. Okay. It will be illegal. It'll be a crime. Yeah. For a Muslim father or mother, yeah, to if their son identifies one day as such, to have faith-based uh, therapy to let them reflect and consider and to come back to yeah. what they would deem to be normal. That would yeah. be banned. Yeah. That'd be criminalized. Abortion up to birth, Bushra. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one as well. Abortion up to birth. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah, we're talking eight, nine months. We're not we're not we're not yeah. Um, he spoke about um, increasing and ramping up LGBT education mm. in primary school, which is something which is already in place, but it's going to ramp it up even more. Yeah. And I think one which you did comment on a few times on, on some of the shows that you came on was the tra Transgender Reformation Bill, or yeah. the, the Gender Transformation yeah, Bill, yeah. Yep. which would give biological, physiological males who identify as women yep. to access to spaces yeah. Where, where our mothers and sisters and daughters and children yes. would be of yes. the female. So these are four core policies. Yes. Where Islam has a very clear, yes. unequivocal 
uh, response and answer to each one of those things. Mm. Um, were Muslims wrong in, 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 in criticizing him the way they did? No. I think it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a healthy debate. And fundamentally, when something is being pushed, which is at the core of Islam, incorrect, you have to speak up about that. These are things that affect, like I said, everybody. This is taking control. Par parental um, rules are obviously taken away from them, meaning parents don't have the control that they would want to have full control over their children, mm -hmm. which I totally, totally disagree with. So when it comes to these these bigger policies, I mean, these are laws, then 100% we have to have to speak up against Which it. Which enables all that other stuff in society. Exactly, exactly. Be because it won't be Hamza Yusuf coming to deliver an RSE class mm. in your child's school. Yeah. But it's because of the law that he's enacted and enabled that would allow the advocates from Stonewall and others to turn yeah. up and basically teach our children all kind of madness. Um but you did say he, he lost against Katie Forbes or Kate Forbes. Kate Forbes. Uh, yeah, a, a devout Calvinist. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she literally on all those four policies, she actually positioned herself in the, in the opposite direction, in the opposite direction she, which is yeah. the Muslim Christian position. Which I, which I, which I fully respect her for that. I respect her for that. She said, I cannot, she goes, I cannot foresee having children outside of wedlock. Yeah. She goes, marriage is just for men and women. Uh, people should be entitled to have access to therapy, which is faith-based. Yep. Um, and she didn't say anything about the LGBT education. But those are practically like orthodox Muslim positions, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but she lost. Yeah, she did. Do you think he did what he had to do to win? Of course he did. Really, though? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. But, Look, but, but, but doesn't that now fulfill the Islamophobic um, conspiracy that we do taqiyya to uh, get power? Because that's one of the things they say, right? Yes. Islamophobes say Muslims lie to get the position of power and authority and then they show their true colours. And if you say he did what he had to do... Listen, we all have to do what we have to do sometimes. I do not support that. I don't support that. But okay. to act like that, that, that doesn't happen would just be false. Okay. Okay. So we don't know him personally. Okay. okay? So they, maybe half of that he does believe in, half of that he's like contending with. Who knows? Mm -hmm. We don't even know what what the outcome of of his position as first minister is going to be, because, because obviously we can we cannot judge people's intentions. Yeah, of course. But what I do know is, like I said before, it's very difficult to be in um, positions of power, especially in a political sphere, and still be true to your values. It, it's very very hard, and that's why it's difficult for lots of Muslim individuals to even consider going into those positions. Have you ever considered politics? It's funny actually because I was uh, I was I was talking to somebody last week and they were like Bushra, have you ever thought about getting into politics? Don't do it, Bushra. And um, you'll change. You think so? Yeah, hundred percent. You'll change because if you if 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 you become if you join any of the two mainstream parties, yeah. Tories or Labour or even Lib Dems actually, and you espouse the views that you're currently espousing right now, you're not going nowhere. <laughs> I'm not getting far. Am <laughs> you're I? Not, you're not I'm not far. getting far. I'm gonna have to start making all these U-turns and yeah, yeah, which yeah, I'm yeah. not prepared to do. Yeah. Somebody was like, "Oh, Bushra, what would you?" They 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 sort of mentioned a constituency, yeah. and they 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 were a person that used to be a former okay. MP. So okay. they were like, "You know, I can mentor you and I can coach you and guide you." And it was interesting. But you know, the conversations happen. I doubt if that's my calling, to be honest. Mm. Uh, but it's in, it's interesting. How has the dynamics changed uh, off camera in the studios as you're getting ready for a show uh, since your uh, vocal support or at least vocal benefit of doubt for the Tate Brothers? Has things changed? Has dynamics changed with how some of your peers are now engaging with you uh, on, on TV shows? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And I, I, I put it down to um, like maybe two or three things. 
the the people that I work with, they actually know me very well. And some of the terminology they use is they say you're unpredictable. They say that you're infectious. They say you're contagious. Um, and it's because genuinely, like I'll say this from my heart, is I, I try to just stick to my truth. And when I speak about the things that I speak, I'm very convicted. And they have a, and they do have a level of respect. One thing I would like to say is I get a lot of pushback from people saying to me, why do I work with GB News? Because yeah, they're very right wing. Yeah, because GB News is kind of seen like, you know, UKIP light, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's seen like the right wing, the kind of not job right wing element of, of, mm. of, of the media spectrum. And, and their kind of demographic constituency is your kind of son, Daily Mail, white van man reader. Yeah. Also of the kind of more Tory class as well but it's that yeah is it that pretty much okay it is that but but they also get bored of hearing the same things too okay? okay and what i like about gb news is they are open to having the the kind of better discussions okay whereas other channels are still although let's just say they're bound by impartiality and things like that they are still doing the tick boxing exercises gb news genuinely like they genuinely want to have more voices on there. Mm -hmm. And I like them because they allow me to say the things that I want to say. They are not frightened that I might say something that their audience isn't going to like. They like the fact that I challenge their main audience. Have you yeah. ever bumped into Nigel Farage there? I have, yeah. Have you conversed, All of them. With, you conversed with him? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. yeah, yeah. How yeah. Was, was he respectful to you? All of them are. Okay. All of them are. I've not I've not been mistreated. They're very respectful. These are also incredibly intelligent people. They're incredibly intelligent. And that's something that I can definitely look up to. Like I have full respect for people who have gone through life learning about things. Uh, and, and believe me, I've had conversations with people that I had a totally different viewpoint about. And I've had a five minute discussion. I'm like, hold on a second, Fisher, why do you think like that? Um, so sometimes the way that things are projected on, on the TV, which you would know, mm -hmm. is not always the same no, it's not. sort of in, inside. But yeah. Bring the podcast to a close. Um, being a Muslim woman and then commenting on public uh, platforms about Muslim issues comes with it, its own challenges, mm. right? Um, obviously trolling, attacks and all these mm. kind of stuff, right? But let's talk about an interesting post that you tweeted a little while back. And, you, and it was to do with... Uh, women or sisters, just as you're exciting and getting ready for marriage, mm. get ready for divorce. Yeah. Right? Um, do you know which thread I'm talking about? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that went viral. Yeah. Um, and there was lots of interesting conversations uh, taking place within that thread. Mm. Uh, one of them was that, look, how can you possibly tell sisters to get ready for marriage, but in the same breath, tell them to be mentally prepared for divorce? Mm. Surely you're projecting uh, something you may have experienced personally and mm. you're just you, it's curtains if sisters approach marriage like that it's curtains for them yeah because they already got divorced at the back of their mind <laughs> whilst marriage is the front of their mind yeah what would you think like do, okay. do, 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 how can you approach marriage with divorce in the back of your mind it's not about approaching uh, marriage with divorce look when we approach marriage marriage in our mind especially for women especially for us because we love to fantasize marriage is always about the long term and it's supposed to be forever but there is an element of nikah which we have to understand, which sometimes things can come to an end. And that's okay, because I know that women face a lot of trauma when they do have a divorce, whether that's with children involved or not. The idea behind that post was to understand that there are life skills that women could do with having. You know, because a lot of the women that I've spoken to do not 
possess life skills that would really benefit them and help them during and after those, you know, that 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 split. And one of the one of the main issues that I found was in extreme circumstances where there are a number of women who are in abusive mm. relationships, they cannot leave. And they can't leave because they've never built themselves up to a point where they have the confidence to walk away. And that's why I made that post. Because I was like, if you are an all-rounder as a man, good for you. Women can also be all-rounders. So these little things and these little tasks are important for us to understand. I know women who don't pay a single bill and they don't know how to. So these little things was, it was about when you are, when you are in a marriage, sometimes things don't work out. And I want people to know that that's also okay. And it's happened. And it's happened, and it happened. And it's happened to the best of human beings. And it happens all the time. And yeah. that's why, although it's not liked, it is still allowed. And it was just about giving women the kind of confidence to say that if you have to walk away from something because you've done everything that you've tried to do. And to also add to that, women don't just leave their husband. They don't leave their homes. They don't leave a marriage. It takes women years before they... they make that decision so that was more of a um it was a more kind of empowerment for, for for women to say look learn these little tasks just in the eventuality that something doesn't go to the plan that you think look there, we would be lying here and anyone who denies this would be ignorant uh, or, or, or totally uh, not in tune with reality um especially in the south asian desi community the mm. indo-pak bengali community you know um uh, the stigma Attached to divorcee mm. women, especially if they're mothers as well, um, on the on the desirability level, yeah. you, you you're not there on the top yeah. one, two, three, right? Unfortunately, um, sadly, of course. I mean, not the Prophet Sallam. He, you know, he had he had a virgin chaste wife. He had a divorcee. He yeah. married divorcees. He yeah. married um, women that had children from previous marriages. His uh, multiple marriages include all the diversity of everything in within in between. Yeah. Um, Without going into details, because I don't think this is the right platform and mm. it's fair, but did you experience some of that stuff during your divorce? Like what? what like the the, 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 the social chitter chatter, the 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 um, the um, gossip, yeah. the 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 oh, it must have been her fault, yeah, uh, it must that kind of stuff, which is very common, yeah. And how long did that last for? Um, in all honesty, look, each situation is independent, and everybody deals with things in a different way. Me personally, I. Um, I didn't even tell people I was divorced. It was very hard to even utter those words. I was one of the individuals that never thought that I would be married and then I would be divorced. Like never, that never occurred to me. That's most people though, you know. Yeah. Most so, Muslims. So when it happens, yeah, subhanAllah, yeah. you know, look, we're tested in so many different ways. For me, I just understood that this was a test from Allah. And um, now I have to figure out what it's gonna look like with me facing this challenge and this test. But the taboo behind divorce still very much exists in our community. And I and I, I, I wish it didn't. And it's not helpful when we're having discussions about desirability all the time. Um, what, I, what I do want to say is that a lot of women are not delusional. Honestly, there are more women that are not delusional than they are. And um, so for me as an, as an individual to sit here and say that I am more desirable as a divorcee with children over a younger you know, a younger woman who's not been married before would mm. just be silly of me to say. Mm -hmm. So we all understand our positions. But, you know, alhamdulillah, if we adopt the right um, attitudes, there would be more divorced women with children who would find husbands. 
because there are a lot of women, you know, out there that are looking for men and they're just not interested in in, in, in women like myself, let's say. Um, what would your advice be to those who are having relationship problems? Um, divorce or separation is, a, is, is something which has been discussed. Mm. It's, 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 it's there or thereabouts. What would your advice be to those who are struggling in Muslim marriages um, in terms of trying to get the best amicable situation yeah. out of issues pertaining between man and wife? Well, the first thing I'd say is that never, ever make a decision in haste. Never make a decision in, in, in absolute emotion. Sit down, think about it. It's a marriage. You know, this isn't part time. It's something that you decided to do. So it's a serious, serious situation. Go to the people that you love, that you respect and you care about. Let them guide you. Never make that decision in haste. Take your time. There is no rush to anything. And I, I'd probably say that for me is the key advice. Don't just decide one day you're going to get up. And the grass isn't always greener. I, I know it's such a cliche, but it is greener where it's watered unless it is extremity. So it's extreme situation where it might be abuse, psychological, physical, whatever that is. Um, and then if you are... Of the, of the idea that I want to be in a happy marriage and you're not as happy as you could be, then take your time, take your time because it's, it's not always what I have right now isn't the best that I can have because trust me, like it's not as great, it's not as great as people think. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, let's just touch upon some of the values of marriage which isn't praised and spoken mm. about as much and that is within reason. Okay. Perseverance. Yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah. Compromise. Commitment. Yeah. Um, these kind of things are not spoken about much as things which actually give uh, dexterity and, and longevity to a marriage, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, whereas other things are given more focus. Um, uh, for example, subhanAllah, um, I forgot the word, is a word for it. You, you know, um, so the things which you may share in terms of social activities. Yeah. Um, do you guys agree on X, Y, and Z? Mm. Being on the same page on pretty much everything. Yeah. Being emotionally in tune and vulnerable with each other and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Whereas... The stuff, the hard work and the grit, yeah. which got our parents and our grandparents and generations of, yeah. of humanity and mankind was those kind of things. Yeah. Sacrifice. Duty. Commitment. Duty. Duty. People talk about rights, but we don't talk about responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you say that it's a time now to revisit some of these more traditional and more durable principles? Yeah, I think it's the right time. And these conversations are good and they are healthy and it's really going to help the next generation and the kind of younger lot and even, you know, amongst us who maybe haven't had them to have these discussions in a more wider way. I mean, what doesn't help is the rise of this idea of like self, you know, we have to be selfish when it comes to marriage. Sacrifice is important. Sacrifice is important with so many different things. So the the the, the rise of self-love and me, 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 which is a very narcissistic way to approach anything, isn't also helping these situations. Because what I'm noticing is that people are all about themselves. What am I going to get from this marriage? What is it? What is in this for me? And a marriage isn't about that. A marriage is about what you are going to give and what that's going to look like. So unfortunately, we are facing a challenging time because right now people just want things for themselves. Do you think it's fair for a financially stable man, Muslim man, uh, who has said to his prospective wife or as he's as he's courting prospects and he's looking at me, he says to him, look, I work, I earn, um, I will give you an allowance, mm. 
I would prefer you not to work. I'd prefer you to focus at home. Or at mm. the very least, work until we have children. Mm. The work finished. I would stay at home, raise my children, cook for me, look after me, love me. I'll provide everything and yallah, that's life. Yeah. Do you think that's a fair deal? It's a fair deal if that's what she wants. Okay. You see, so this is all about preferences, isn't okay. it? So as long as you are receiving something that you want in the relationship, then why not? And I, it's at, he's totally and absolutely entitled and allowed to ask for those things. If a, if a sister or a Muslim woman or even a woman yeah. Yeah, wants those things, yeah. she wants to be looked after, she wants to be nurtured, she wants to feel safe and secure. Yeah. She doesn't actually want to go and work 30, 40, 30, 40 hours a week. Who wants to do that all the time? Who wants to do that, you understand? Um, but at the same time, she may have issues... Mm. And this could be to do with upbringing, culturing, uh, what you've observed from the women folk in your family or not. As long as I can't cook for you every day. Yeah. And quite frankly, I'm not ready to become a mum yet. Mm. Um, and whilst I want all those things, which you've promised me and mm. I, which I want and I desire, mm. I don't think I really want to give some of these things back to you, which yeah. is cooking and cleaning and caring for you and having your children. Yeah. Do you think that could be an issue here? Yeah, of course it's an issue. So how do you, what, what advice do you give sisters who, are, who want all the, the the goodness of that? Then be prepared to, get... to stay single. You're going to be single. And then we're going to have a bunch of like 40 year olds, loads of them who are just not going to be married, not going to have partners. This is about give and take, ultimately. It's not about cooking seven days a week. It's about roles. It's what is he providing and what are you providing for him? That's all it is about. Like you said earlier, we're living in a day and age, especially if you live in like the city of London, where one income always isn't enough, no. you know. But yep. when you have two educated, well-informed um, individuals coming together, these are not these are not even discussions that you're having. It's natural. Like, look, when you live with someone, you know who's cleaning the bathroom, yep. somebody's taking the bins out, yep. the day-to-day -day things of being in a marriage. Nobody speaks about that. We don't it's have just, hashtags it, who's taking the bins it's out. It's just done, assumed. It's done. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, you know, buy me flowers. Like, oh, get over yourself. Like, why are we even talking about flowers? Those are the Instagram or Twitter posts that I hate the most mm. because it's not about the gift giving. It's about the cultivation. And I, I, honestly, cooking food for your husband isn't a big deal especially if you're not working and you're sitting at home and he's providing for you that's the least that you can do how are we even having a discussion about that well we are it's it's, it's crazy but we are we, we're here now we are having those conversations and even non-muslims are having those conversations yeah. non-muslims are having conversations about traditional roles especially in the states yeah. especially in the states of north america what they're talking about they're like right okay We've had first wave feminism. We had the 60s and 70s. We've got women in the workplace. Now we have a generation in the US mm. where there is more dogs per household per cap in the US than there is newborns. Wow. Can you imagine that? Wow. As in dogs, as in pets. Yeah, as dogs. in dogs, yeah. There's more, there's That's more, ridiculous. There's more pet dogs per capita in, in each house in the US and there are newborns. Yeah. Uh, when the COVID uh, came, the COVID lockdown came to an end mm. in July 2021, they did a survey and they said that three out of five Brits said they would miss their pets more than their children. <laughs> right? So th there's there's clearly things happening in society which has led now even all Muslims to have these conversations, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, motherhood, parenthood, uh, the roles of men and women. Yeah. What has having women fixated on careers and jobs perpetually? Yeah. Right. Not proportionately. Not as in when it's needed to mm. to to provide for a life like in London or whatever socio socioeconomic reality you may have mm. as as a given family or a couple. 
that this kind of systemic push for mm. decades to put women into the workplace, yeah, yeah. which many have argued is was just a capitalist way to get double tax, yeah, yeah. right? Um, all of this, all of this happening yeah. right before our eyes. Yeah. And as a mother of three, yeah. how does that make you feel in terms of the future of your children? Um, making lots of dua, <laughs> making lots of dua that something changes because these conversations are not healthy. And uh, honestly, the empowerment and the strength that women have to be mothers and to be nurturers and to protect their homes and build those homes, those things need to be championed because there was a huge time where men were not showing their appreciation of the roles of a woman. And I tell you that this is where it's come from. <laughs> men were going out and working, women were in their homes and there was a lack of affirmation for that role. You see, so what happened was women thought, well, the job that I am doing at home is not really, I'm not getting any credit for it. Like maybe it's not important. Maybe this isn't important for me. Maybe I need to go and do what the men are doing to be- Get that respect. To get the respect. So I think if men start to respect and really give affirmation and credit to those women that are at home, we'll see a rise of women saying, actually, I don't need to always go out and work. I don't need to have a career because my role as a mother fundamentally is worthy of every respect and every credit that's out there because that's something that I didn't feel for a long time. So my personal experience was my role and my duty isn't good enough or my role and my duty isn't of the same importance as a man. And that that's wrong. And that, that happens because again, you know, people are not championing the right things. The maqam of a mother, the station and the status of a mother um, is something that is tantamount and paramount in Islam. Yeah. Um, I remember I was once speaking to a scholar, um, a prominent individual, and he said to me, look, it's very easy sometimes to understand gender roles in Islam. Everyone says it, Quran and Sunnah, brother. Quran and Sunnah, brother. Everyone mm. follow Quran and Sunnah. He goes, but it's very simple. Because you look at the Quran and you look at what does Allah praise the most special women in our tradition for? Maryam alayhi salam, Khadija, yeah. um, Fatima, um, Asiya. These, these very like, beloved women to Allah, to the best of women that have ever walked herself. What is it that Allah praises them in the Quran? Mother, wife, nurturer. Yeah. Let's look at the men now. All the prophets that Allah has praised in the Quran. What, what does he praise them for? For dawah, for leadership roles, yeah. uh, and a community builder, right? And he said, anything outside of those things isn't necessarily halal or haram. Yeah. But you just have to look at what Allah Himself, who created us, praises mm. us for. Yeah. Um, and there you will find what the gender roles are. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there'll be times and contexts where things will overlap, where you may have to share some of those burdens, yeah. or wherever it could be, right? Whether you're a widow, your husband's gone off to war, whatever it may, things differ. Yeah. But generally speaking, men, leaders, supporters, providers, protectors, community builders, dawah, responsibility, mm. women, nurturers, carers, providers, educators. Educate communities. Yeah. Mm. And he goes, once that formula, once that synergy gets disrupted, mm. society starts getting disrupted. Yeah, totally. Um, and he actually said, um, his name is Ustad Asim Khan He was on the podcast A couple of episodes A couple of seasons ago He goes look Why are we even talking About gender roles here mm. he, goes, he goes You know it's a very Strange conversation He goes you'll never find In the tradition In the Islamic tradition You know Our predecessors talking about Hey 
in South Asia or in, or in Islamic <laughs> Persia or in Arabia yeah. or in Ottoman Turkey? What is a man? Yeah. What is a woman? These conversations yeah. never happened. No. It was just assumed. It was synergized. And even beyond the Islamic realms, this is it, that's just the way life was, yeah. right? But we have come to a time now. We've arrived here. I don't know how we got here. Well, we do know how we got here, but we are here where roles are all mixed up. Yeah. Uh, people can't, they don't know whether they're coming or going. Yeah. Uh, people are d identifying as all sorts. What would your concluding advice be to our viewers and listeners, Muslims and non-Muslims, about how to uh, tackle this turbulent time, how to survive in this turbulent time? Because, uh, because on your punditry and your social media output, it pertains to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Mostly of this stuff. Can you yeah. imagine the the boring podcast we initially had in mind? <laughs> that, uh, no, it wouldn't yeah, have been boring. Yeah. No, actually, that's true. But 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 this was more topical in terms of like yeah, current. Yeah, it's first. more current, and 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 I think it, it, it's timely because the other things was more to do with policies. Yes. Right. Yes. But here we decide to speak about things which are affecting our societies. What would your concluding advice be to those who are dealing and are scared? of these um, changing in trends in, in relationships and in humanity and mankind and just all this madness that's happening? Um, I would probably say that women need to be in tune with their natural nature. Mm -hmm. Don't go against that nature. Your intuition and what that feels like is really, really important. And to understand that the traditional sense of the roles between man and woman has always been ever more present it's ever been present, it's always worked, you know? And I know that times are changing and things can be challenging, but believe me, the working mum or working wife, these hashtags, they're not what they they're not what you think they are. And if we look at our mothers and our grandmothers and we looked at the way that they did things, yes, it wasn't a hundred percent because they were dealing with challenges as well. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the main thing for women is that we do have a position. We are credit worthy. We have been given a miracle and that miracle is, and I think I tweeted it, the miracle is that we give birth. Absolutely, we have life. We give life. We are the individuals that make the next generation mm -hmm. succeed. And it's important for us to understand that 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 we have is the most beautiful thing of all. Um, just wanted to say it was an absolute pleasure having you on. It was an honor having you on. No, thank and, you. I, I, I can't believe time's gone so quick. It has gone so quick. And we will definitely have you on for season three, inshallah. Ta inshallah, inshallah. We could have you on. Brothers and sisters, I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed that uh, from Bushra uh, as much as I did. Um, lots to unpick and go through and think about and reflect upon. If you like this podcast, remember to click subscribe on the Five Pillars YouTube channel. And if you listen through any audio platforms, then you know where to find us on all the major platforms. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Blood Brothers Podcast, a five-headed production. production.